MSW Media. Thanks to Hunter Douglas for supporting Daily Beans. Hunter Douglas makes innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics and control systems that can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day and bring greater convenience, style, and comfort to your home. Right now, for a limited time, you can take advantage of a generous rebate savings opportunity on select styles. Just visit hunterdouglas.com slash dailybeans for details. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Today, Alex Jones files for bankruptcy in a bid to delay civil suits against him and avoid paying restitution. A Bannon associate is hit with a superseding indictment. Florida bans math. A Trump-appointed judge who was deemed unqualified by the Bar Association has blocked the travel mask mandate. And a seditious extremist group threatens a key witness in a January 6th case. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome home. And you were amazing on Saturday night, my friend. Oh, my goodness. It was so nice to have you there. I tell you about it. And you know this. It's just one of those nights that you were like, all right, this, it just all went right. It all went right. And it felt great. And for the Beans listeners that were there, I think uh, it, it was just wonderful. So thank you for the support. I had fun. I'm glad you did. And moving on. It's the first time I've seen you live. You're fucking funny, dude. Thanks. It is the first time you see me live. Yeah, it was fun. I had I had no doubt. But thank yes, you. Are. It is nice to know that your friends are good at what they do, so you don't have to be like, "Are you sure you don't want to write?" Like you, maybe you should be in radio for the rest of your life. <laughs> it was so good, and it was amazing to see Bruce. I haven't seen that guy since I like know. Hollywood Squares. What a brilliant man! Yeah, and our dear friend Suzanne Westenhofer. All of Westenhofer was yeah. fantastic as usual, per usual. So wonderful show again. Thanks to the Daily Beans listeners for coming out. Dana, today, later in the show, I'm going to be talking to an amazing woman. It's Vicki Ward. She does the Vicki Ward Investigates Substack, and she wrote the book Kushner, Inc. And we're going to talk all things Kushner with this $2 billion Saudi payoff. Yep. United Arab Emirates, the, the arms deal, what this might have to do with his security clearance, what her, you know, what her sources know. And then she's got some breaking news for us, too, that, that I didn't Great. know when I talked to her. So we're going to talk to her in a bit. In the meantime, we have a lot of news to get to. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So, Dana, remember last week when I reported on a buried lead in a New York Times story about a woman named Stacey Burke? Do you remember me talking about her? Yes. She's an Arizona Republican. Uh, She's cooperating with the 1-6 committee, possibly the Department of Justice, against the First Amendment Praetorian extremist group. Oh, yes. The creepy people that were in her house. They moved into her fucking house to surveil her, right? And she was one of the plaintiffs in one of the Sidney Powell lawsuits that attested to false claims of voter fraud. And, you know, she was mentioned in the story because the story that came out with the Jason Sullivan, a Roger Stone aide who appeared on a conference call that uh, somebody from the First Amendment Praetorian was on. She recorded that call. She's the one who provided the the recording. Well, and I said, this is a buried lead, the Stacey Burke part of this story. Well, she's back in the news. She's now being threatened. She's being threatened. And this is from Mother Jones today. In a phone call last month, a member of the far right paramilitary group warned an Arizona woman who gave congressional investigators information about that outfit's efforts to push Donald Trump's big lie that she might be hurt or killed if she continued to speak out. 
Quote, you always record what everyone says and you put your shit out there and you follow people around and take pictures. That's Michael Kenny, a member of First Amendment Praetorian. That's a message he left her. Michael Kenny. They're also, by the way, known as 1AP. I'm going to probably refer to them as that from now on. They're shadowy group, former military members that has worked with former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. That's what he told Stacey Burke on a March 1st call. You talk a lot publicly, he said, and that's what makes you a target. Now, Burke is a one-time Republican activist, as we know, who is now studying for her law degree. Quote, there was a number of people you ruffled their feathers, Kenny continued. If you put anybody in jeopardy of prison time or, you know, if you might hurt them financially or whatever, people get edgy, you know, people don't think clearly. You need to think about the easy way. Burke said she considered this call, during which Kenny mentioned the possibility she could be murdered, a death threat. Seems to be. Yep. I'd say she's spot on there. She reported the call to the FBI. She said it was the most overt of a series of threats she's received after a news outlet revealed she was cooperating with the select committee investigating the 1-6 attack. Burke recorded the conversation and shared the audio with Mother Jones. Her unsettling conversation with Kenny caused her to briefly pull back from talking to the January 6th committee and reporters, she said, though she later resumed her cooperation. This is Kenny, Michael Kenny, a trucker who said he previously served in the Navy, I doubt it, and worked as a security contractor in Iraq and elsewhere, confirmed the call with Burke. He's like, yeah, I did it. He claimed, though, he didn't threaten her. He just said he simply stated that her actions put her at risk. (laughs) Quote, if she thinks it was threatening, well, then that's her imagination working overtime, which is weird. Put a pin in that. okay, Dana? Absolutely. It's her imagination working overtime. That's what Kenny, the trucker, the the former Navy trucker, told Mother Jones about this call. The March 1st call lasted 19 minutes. It sounded relaxed at first. Burke and Kenny chatted about her dinner, a trucker convoy that was approaching D.C., COVID vaccines, and January 6th. Then Burke noted how fearful she was on that day, given the threats she believed she faced at the time. Then Kenny pivoted, and he said, it ain't necessarily over. Shit happens, he said. Don't you think that if I was going to get killed, I would have been killed by now? Burke asked. And Kenny responded in part, it just depends on what you do, you know, what you don't do. (laughs) Quote, if they think you're a threat or they don't, might be the difference, he added. Then he said, if you tick somebody off enough, just give it some thought. Let your imagination run away with yourself. I'm sure you can figure it out. You're not stupid. You don't need me to fill in the gaps for you. You know exactly what I'm telling you. So he told Mother Jones, that's just her imagination. But he told her on the call, use your imagination. (laughs) (laughs) So I told you guys Burke was the buried lead here. Watch for Kenny to get charged with witness intimidation, because if Roger Stone can get charged with threatening like Randy Credico and his dog, this is this is definitely a threat. This is definitely witness intimidation, especially if Stacey Burke is working with the Department of Justice on the Sidney Powell investigation that was opened last year for sure. by the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. So. Yeah, we'll keep you posted on that for sure. A federal judge on Monday struck down the Center for Disease Control's prevention rules that all travelers must wear masks on airplanes, buses, trains, and other modes of public transportation, calling it unlawful. Um, this is why elections matter, people. Um, there's been some sketch judges put in position. This really frustrates me because I travel so much, but The ruling from U.S. District Court Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell in Tampa, Florida, said the CDC had overstepped its legal authority by imposing the mandate in February 2021. 
The mask requirements, quote, violates the procedures required for the agency's rulemaking. That's what Mizell wrote. Now, the CDC has renewed the travel mask mandate several times, most recently extending it through May 3rd. And another quote, the court agreed that the CDC overstepped its statutory authority when it ordered every person who enters a travel conveyance or travel hub to wear a mask. And this is from Brant Hathaway, the attorney who introduced the lawsuit. That's what he told NBC News via text. The plaintiffs in the lawsuit are two women, Anna Carolina Daza and Sarah Pope, along with the Health Freedom Defense Fund, a Wyoming nonprofit that has challenged COVID vaccine and mask mandates in other parts of the country. So it's an organization that was probably just invented in the last year or two because they're just fucking dumb. The suit alleged that the CDC mandate was arbitrary and capricious since it gave exemptions to certain groups like children under two years old, but not others. The Justice Department declined immediate comment on whether the government would seek to block the judge's order and allow the mandate to remain in effect. The CDC, FAA, and TSA said that they were evaluating their options, and the MTA said it would continue to follow CDC guidelines as it reviews new decision. Judge Mizell, who once clerked for who? Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, or Ginny Thomas, depending on who was at work that day, was appointed to the middle, the middle District of Florida bench in 2020 by Donald Trump. She had zero trial experience, AG, and was deemed unqualified by the American Bar Association. What the she fuck? Was. She was like 37. Um, she, they probably found her on that. What's the, uh, the, the talent site that they got Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene from? Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know about this. Oh, yeah. It's like adore talent. Let me look it up because I, I got to find this now. Let's see. Talent, Bobert. Avail talent, something like they're, they're just from central casting. Oh my God. Talent, explore talent. That is it. Yeah. You can see their profiles on that. I bet they're what that's where they got this judge too. She was on the Federalist Society list though. So, yeah, whatever. Not qualified. No. Didn't, by the yeah. American Bar Association. You know, the people that supposedly, you know, say whether you're qualified to be a fucking lawyer. <laughs> can't. I can't. One of several judges, by the way, who who Trump appointed that was deemed not qualified by the Bar Association. All right. Up next, federal prosecutors filed a new indictment on Friday against the sole remaining defendant charged with conspiring to defraud donors in a crowdfunding effort to construct a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Of the four men initially indicted, the We Build the Wall case is, is what they were indicted in. Only Timothy Shea's case appears to be heading toward trial. He was originally indicted with former Trump's ex-chief strategist Steve Bannon, Iraq war veteran Brian Colfage, and a guy named Andrew Botolato. Though all faced the same allegations, Trump pardoned only Bannon toward the end of his term. Colfage and Botolato, who reportedly was Bannon's longtime friend, opted to pursue plea deals, which have not yet been accepted by a judge. For now, that only leaves Shea to face a jury on May 16th, all by his lonesome. If or when Shea stands trial, he would face one or more federal charges. His three erstwhile co-defendants ever did one more charge than they did. All were initially indicted on charges of conspiring to defraud We Build the Wall donors and launder their money. The superseding indictment, Dana, against Shea, filed on Friday but dated Thursday, charges an additional count of falsification of records. Quote, Shea created and caused the creation of documents that were falsely backdated, falsely backdated, and stated false reasons for payments from We Build the Wall to Shea, to Shea, and from Shea to Brian Colfage, with the intent to impede, obstruct, 
or influence an investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. So, not good. Not good at all. A little good news in our day. All right. Uh, Three companies tied to the far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, including his fringe media organization InfoWars, they are seeking bankruptcy protection. No shit. Mm. That's according to court documents filed Sunday. This sort of stuff infuriates me. Me too. The move which could pause civil litigation against the companies comes after Jones was found legally responsible for damages in three defamation lawsuits related to false claims he made about the 2012 Sandy Hook mass shooting. Also makes my blood boil. Jones baselessly said in the aftermath of the shooting, in which 26 people were killed, mostly children, that the incident was staged. Facing lawsuits, Jones has since acknowledged the shooting occurred. Of course he did. He said in 2019, sworn deposition, that a a form of psychosis caused him at the time to believe it was staged. I I fucking hate this man. I'm sorry. I know it's very strong language this morning. I'm I'm fired up. Jones has been particularly uncooperative, as he has been sued. A Texas judge issued default judgments against him for not complying with court orders in October, and in November, a Connecticut judge did the same thing. And last month, Jones was held in contempt by the Connecticut court for failing to comply with multiple orders to sit for a deposition against him. He paid $75,000 in fines over that matter, but later had the money returned to him when he finally did comply with the order. Why? Mark Ramston, an attorney representing the parents of two Sandy Hook children in Texas lawsuit, they told CNN in an email, he told CNN in an email, quote, none of the Mr. Jones's ridiculous tricks have worked in the past, and this one will fare no better. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really hoping that they can't bankrupt these, these companies. There's got to be some sort of a law against the shit when you're being, you know, when you've been found guilty of this sort of stuff. Well, the, the NRA tried to do it, right? File bankruptcy to right. avoid paying fines. Or I think they were just filing bankruptcy fraudulently to move so they could move out of New York to Texas so they wouldn't be hit with these with these investigations. There is a law against using bankruptcy for fraudulent purposes. So they'll see at the court, you know, I'm assuming there'll be discovery. We'll find out how much money Infowars made on their gay frog vitamins. Right. And then they'll try to find out if, in fact, his companies are insolvent. And whether or not he's filing bankruptcy for fraudulent purposes to avoid having to pay restitution, especially to the Sandy Hook families, because this is bullshit. You're right. It is. The Florida Education Department. You want some more bullshit? This is just this is bananas. (laughs) They've rejected. Yes. But how many bananas? I don't know, because they got rid of the math books. Yes. They have rejected 54 mathematics textbooks for K through 12 curriculum, citing reasons spanning the I could just end it there. Citing reasons. Spanning the inclusion of critical race theory in common core learning concepts. I don't even understand this. The rejected books make up a record 41% of the 132 books submitted for review, the Florida Department of Education said in a statement. Mm -hmm. Of them, 28 were rejected because they, quote, incorporated prohibited topics or unsolicited strategies, including critical race theory. The names of the rejected books were not included. Probably because they don't contain critical race theory. Some Florida Democrats voiced their opposition to the move on Twitter. I just uh, that someone has to have a friend that makes someone in Florida has is in bed with someone who makes textbooks. This there's no other reason for this shit. They whoever's making the textbooks that they have not banned, someone has a, a friendship with them. A, a, they owe them something. They did something. It's this is all about money. I just I uh, I can't. Yeah. Or do some of the textbooks have like 
pictures of black children enjoying math and that's somehow I, I can't figure out how common core math incorporates critical race theory. I can't I can't. No, it doesn't I don't I don't have anything to offer. Okay. Yeah, I just thought, I thought maybe you know, because I was very confused over the weekend about the person is plugging his dick into a Tesla charging station. I'm sorry, what? And I, I was not. <laughs> I, <laughs> Tucker Carlson put out a video about where have all the men gone? Oh, yes. The UV lights. And before it went out on the air that he want, he was interviewing somebody about infrared, infrareding their testes. There was a picture in his video of a man standing on top of a mountain with his arms uh, yep. spread wide yep. and his dick seemed to be plugged into a Tesla charging station. And I was like, OK, what's going on here? What is this, please? What is this? please? I mean, listen, I would much rather, much rather Tucker Carlson was covering UV light and your testicles than the shit about politics he is spreading. You know what? Cover as many stories as you want about some, whatever it is, whatever this is, fine. Let them eat that up and stop spreading this bullshit and being a Russian agent. Like, <laughs> I'd rather he was doing that. Yes. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I'm simply saying. It's just I, hilarious. I, much like I did not understand the purpose of that image. Ah, uh, yes. I do not understand how critical race theory could be tied to common core math, but I'm assuming we'll find out which books these are, and I'm assuming we'll find out what the theory is about how these violate whatever laws are going on in Florida. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with the author of Kushner, Inc., uh, the investigative journalist, Vicki Ward. She's got some breaking news for us. We're going to talk about Kushner. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and today's episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep plays a vital role in our mental and physical well-being. As you know, it's my favorite thing. It's my number one thing doing. I love sleeping. Uh, but insufficient sleep makes it impossible for us to function well, as you know. I used to have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep, and I would wake up feeling drowsy in the morning, and it would impact my day, all day. Initially, I assumed it was stress and anxiety, but as it turned out, it was my mattress. And Helix has been a game changer. No matter what your body type or sleep style, Helix has the right mattress for you. You can use their quick online sleep quiz to discover your perfect mattress. Whether you prefer a soft or firm mattress, or you control your body temperature with it, or if you want to align your spine, or you need a plus-size mattress for plus-size sleepers, they have a variety of mattresses available. I'm a side sleeper. I like a medium firm bed, so Helix matched me with the midnight. It's perfect for me. And thanks to Helix, I fall asleep fast, I stay asleep all night, and I wake up feeling refreshed and alert. As you know, Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And of course, leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix to improve your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They even have financing options and flexible payment plans, too. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. All right, everybody, welcome back. So as you know, on Sunday on Mueller, she wrote, I talked about this $2 billion investment by Mohammed bin Salman to Kushner's, I guess, investment firm of which he has no experience. Then we talked about it again on Monday on the Daily Beans, especially about a piece penned by Vicki Ward from Vicki Ward Investigates. That's vickiward.substack.com. And I said, you know what? I need to talk to Ms. Ward about this. So joining me today is Vicki Ward. Hi, Vicki. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to speak to you. I mean, you, you wrote the book on Kushner, literally. It's called Kushner, Inc. Everybody can pick it up. 
wherever books are sold. And in your piece, you talk about three well-placed sources that have information on why perhaps or why most definitely <laughs> Kushner was granted this $2 billion against the advice of everyone at the at the Saudi Wealth Fund at the board of directors saying, look, this is bad optics. Uh, he doesn't have any skills. This isn't a real fund, basically. And it was MBS who personally overrode that decision so that the $2 billion could find its way into the pocket of Jared Kushner. Can you talk a little bit about because we all kind of came, we're talking about this in, in early 2018 about things that had transpired in 2017 about a trip to Riyadh and traitors to the crown. Can you talk a little bit about these sources and what you were able to find out and publish on your Substack? Yes. So, Alison, just, you know, there are two Substacks. So, um, you know, I wrote the first piece on Friday and I updated it this morning with legal documents. What they show is that. Back in 2017, in the first days of the Trump administration, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, was not the crown prince of Saudi Arabia yet. A man called Mohammed bin Nayef, his cousin, known as MBN, was. Mohammed bin Nayef was considered a great friend, ally, and hero um, by U.S. intelligence. The CIA even gave him a medal for all the American lives he had saved since 9-11. He used to give us the flight numbers of bombs that al-Qaeda terrorists would be sending over to America. He was also considered a moderate. He was the man that the U.S. intelligence agencies wanted to see eventually become the ruler of Saudi Arabia. Enter MBS, comes to the White House, if you remember, in March 2020. I know from legal documents that I put up on Vicky Ward Investigates on Substack this morning that MBN realized that MBS was plotting with Jared Kushner to basically depose him and MBS also knew, and he and Jared Kushner had conversations about it. This is in legal documents that MBS did not have the support of the three top US intelligence agencies. That would be the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA. MBN also, according to my sources, heard that Jared Kushner and MBS were coming up with a plan that would involve money. He told people he trusted that one day we would see payment for Kushner's help to MBS to get MBN deposed. We know, again, there are documents showing this, that in May, MBN hired a lobbyist to try to get to Trump to shore up support in the White House. That plan did not work. A month later, MBS overthrew MBN. MBN was put under house arrest and in 2020 he has been disappeared, mm-hmm. not heard from again. And, and yet this story sort of played out back in 2017 and was kind of, it played out in plain sight. And yet so many other things, I think, in Saudi Arabia distracted us. But my sources tell me that the bulk of the $2 billion 
that Jared Kushner was given to by MBS recently to invest, as you say, even though Jared Kushner has no track record as a money manager, <laughs> was basically payback for getting rid of MBN. Mm-hmm. Now, how did the... I want to ask you about Jared's security clearance or lack thereof, or et cetera. Right. But before we get to that, talk a little bit about the distraction you just mentioned, because during that whole time, we had somehow a falling out with Qatar, even though we have CENTCOM there on one of our main military bases there. And then there was the, the, the Qatar blockade put in place, and then it was mysteriously removed and then there was a fund that mysteriously bailed out Kushner's 66 Fifth Avenue building backed by Qatari funds. And, and the cutters are like, whoa, we didn't even have any idea about that. And that was sort of all going on in the background, sort of subsumed underneath this entire coup d'etat that was happening in Saudi Arabia. How did that play a role? Well, so, you know, Kushner Inc., I focused very heavily on the, on, on the blockade of Qatar because you know, it to me, it it gave the appearance that Jared Kushner was running our foreign policy purely for the sake of his real estate family business with zero concern for American national security. Because as you point out, Qatar is where our airbase, the Al-Udaid airbase is. That is our security in the region. So what is interesting is the Qatari blockade happened about a, a few weeks after the state visit to Saudi Arabia in May of 2017. That state visit was supposed to be about, you know, collaboration and security in the Gulf. And yet weeks after, suddenly the Saudis and the Emiratis, two other countries, are blockading their neighbor and rival, Qatar. As I reported in Kushner Inc., What was very strange about that was that neither Secretary of State Rex Tillerson nor the Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis knew anything about it and were horrified. They were in Australia when they heard that Qatar was being blockaded and they heard that someone from the White House had given a green light to this and they quickly discovered that that someone was not Donald Trump. So they assumed that it was Jared Kushner. Now, you know, Jared Kushner, we know, had forged this very tight bond with MBS. He, several events then, you know, then go on in Saudi Arabia that are quite troubling while this blockade goes on, including MBS's roundup of other Saudi royals in the Ritz-Carlton, you know, and, and we know from reports and open sources that Jared Kushner spent a lot of time in Saudi Arabia with Mohammed bin Salman right before that roundup happened. But fast forward to March the next year, Mohammed bin Salman again appears in Washington and he asks Donald Trump for money for, to support his war in Yemen. That meeting did not go well. Trump humiliated Mohammed bin Salman. The Qataris saw an opportunity and the Emir of Qatar appeared in Washington to see President Trump shortly afterwards and said, you know, I've got lots of money you know, I'd love to help America, but I've got this problem with this blockade. And very shortly after that meeting, two things happened, short succession. The blockade, uh, the, the US support for the blockade of Qatar was lifted. And as you say, Jared Kushner's family business was bailed out 
with a deal that made no economic sense by a Canadian real estate business whose main outside best investor is Qatar. Now, you know, and, and around this time, while this was going on, Mohammed bin Salman described Jared Kushner as, yes, being in my pocket. Hmm. But he also described him as, quote unquote, the double dipper, because it seemed that Jared was willing to take Saudi funds and Qatar's funds. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But what I will say now, to your point about distraction and going back to that time, I think, you know, I certainly, when I was reporting Kushner Inc., was so focused on the importance of the blockade because that really was a threat to American security and why Jared Kushner could possibly have given a green light to the Saudis to do that, that, uh, you know, I'm only recently learning, very recently learning, that that was in fact a deliberate distraction to take away from the, the, the main headline, which was that, of course, Jared Kushner had helped Mohammed bin Salman depose his cousin. MBN. And MBN said, you know, to people he trusted, you're going to see that money will have changed hands if if their plan works. Hmm. And (laughs) whilst you mentioned it, the security clearance, MBN was was really uh, valued by American intelligence. And I am told that this is why our intelligence agencies went apoplectic when MBN was deposed and were adamant that Jared Kushner not be given a top secret security clearance. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got so many dealings with so many uh, foreign agencies, legal or not, that makes you susceptible and, and compromisable. But talking a little bit about maybe some of the other players that were lobbying on behalf of the United Arab Emirates, UAE, Saudi Arabia at the time, I know like the number one go-to was Tom Barrick to begin in, in the early days of the Trump administration, even before the transition. And then, of course, we had American Media Inc., right? Pecker and putting out that glossy magazine photo about the new leadership in, in the Middle East and how wonderful it was. And then on the third hand, we had Flynn trying to work with some folks in the NDI, including KT McFarlane or McFarlane and Bud McFarlane trying to get the Middle East Marshall Plan going, where we would give nuclear reactor secrets to Saudi Arabia to build reactors and then send our troops in or maybe Eric Prince troops, I don't know, to guard them somehow to colonize, quote unquote, the Middle East. So there was a lot going on with lobbying on behalf of this alternate, you know, set of leadership in the Middle East. And, and I was wondering if, if that's connected at all, or if these are just sort of running in parallel. I think it's all, it's all connected, right? You know, you, you mentioned um, the Emirates, UAE and Abu Dhabi. I mean, you know, you have to remember, I think that Mohammed bin Zayed, MBZ, Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, was very much the mentor of MBS. It was in MBZ's interest for MBS to lead, to become the crown prince of Saudi Arabia over Mohammed bin Nayef. And MBZ, you will remember, arrived very early in the tr- during the transition to meet with Steve Bannon, Jared Kushner, Flynn, 
And, you know, they they saw in the Trump White House people that they could do business with. And I think there were all sorts of agendas, some of which you have accurately outlined. Uh, and it was only, I think, you know, and I, I think they were quite successful, actually, in their marketing campaign. I mean, they got that state visit, as you mentioned, Tom Barrack, who's now, you know, basically has been, you know, charged with uh, being an undeclared foreign agent, basically, for the United you know, Emirates. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But I, th- I think their marketing campaign went very well until actually the roundup in the Ritz-Carlton. I think there were, there were reports that that was so brutal that that was problematic. And then, of course, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi was just the absolute bridge too far as, as far as the United States was concerned. Yeah. And we didn't run any of the checks per the Magnitsky Act that we right. were supposed to do. I know Donald was supposed to respond within 120 days and he he failed to do that. That is a, a result of a successful lobbying campaign. And, and then, of course, we have the $110 billion arms sale to Saudi Arabia that circumvented Congress with the help of Mike Pompeo, which I'm sure is another successful lobbying story that happened during this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, all the arms deals that were done in that time, it's it, it now one of the reasons there's, a, you know, it's there's a big chill, not just between Saudi Arabia and the Biden administration, but between the UAE and the Biden administration is because they were expecting all these F-35s that have not arrived. <laughs> so, so um, you know, I mean, and, and another reason I wrote about this last week in my Substack that, you know, another reason part of the $2 billion from MBS to Jared Kushner is a bet that Trump comes back. I mean, these folks, these folks in the Gulf, they are not happy with how things lie with the Biden administration. Yeah. And, and for some of the folks I've spoken to, like Mary Trump, for example, who didn't think that Trump would be running again. And still, I don't think Trump would want to run again because he lost so spectacularly this past time. And he really hates that might be shoved into a race that he may or may not want to partake and participate in by some uh, some actors that are maybe no longer include Vladimir Putin uh, <laughs> and, and are more focused over uh, in the MBS, MBZ realm. We will find out soon enough that election is looming. I, I want to thank you today for coming on, explaining this. I'm, I'm looking forward to chat. I just you just now told me about this the update with the court documents. I'm going to go right now to Vicky Ward Investigates.substack.com. Do I have that right? Vicky Ward Investigates. Yes. On Substack.com. Exactly. Check that out. Thank you so much for your time today. Everybody give a follow on Twitter. And if you want the latest with what's going on with the Middle East, Kushner, Barrick, all of that stuff that's tied up with Kushner and Ivanka right in the middle. Please, please follow Vicki Ward. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, Beans fam. It's AG. Thanks for listening to the show. Today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Hunter Douglas. They make beautiful, innovative, amazing window shade designs. They have gorgeous fabrics and control systems, by the way, that can be scheduled to automatically adjust your shades, your window treatments to the optimal position throughout the day. When you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set automatically. 
to reposition for the perfect balance of not just light in the room, but privacy and insulation too. And that is, doesn't matter what time of day it is, they automatically adjust. Hunter Douglas's shades add to the beauty of your home by diffusing harsh sunlight, allows a beautiful glow across the room. They protect your privacy inside while allowing you to enjoy the view outside. And what I love the most is that they help with your electric bill, right? It helps keep your, your home cooler in the summer, warmer in the winter. And that's really important. It's, it's, it's lowered my utility bills. And it also, you know, lowers the burden on the grid and the planet. With Hunter Douglas, you can enjoy greater convenience, style, and comfort in your home. And right now, for a limited time, you can take advantage of generous rebate savings opportunities on select styles. Just visit HunterDouglas.com slash Daily Beans for details. That's HunterDouglas.com slash Daily Beans for details on limited time, generous rebate savings opportunities on selected styles. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, idioms, whatever you want to send to us, misheard song lyrics, be stories, Halloween photos, Easter bunny pictures, anything you want to send in at all, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Yeah, Dana, yesterday I just re-ran the charismatic megaplastics good news segment. Oh, good. <laughs> Since you weren't here, I was like, here, have have this, the gem in the the crown jewel of the Daily Beans good news segments, the charismatic megaplastics episode. So... It's a good one to replay. I'm glad that you had that covered while I was gone. <laughs> yeah. In my memory. <laughs> in your memory. A double-ended giant, double-ended dildo. All right. You know what would really help the podcast out? Apple screwed up somehow. They've erased all of our ratings. If you could go and give us a rating, that would be wonderful. You can do it on if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you don't, don't worry about it. All right. First up from Matt, pronouns he and him. Good morning, Beans Queens. It's my birthday week. Woohoo. And I have the two best things. I still have my Void Kitty Cleo. And Chewini Thor. They are 16 and 15, respectively. Cleo has been on hospice since August, and Thor's having back problems. I thought I was going to have to make the hard decision two weeks ago. But attached are Cleo and her sweet 16 photo, and Thor in his wheels that he needs from time to time. Oh, Thank you all. I love wheelie dogs. Look at his little baby. I know. I love wheelie dogs with wheels, too. He seems very happy, and this is a very beautiful kitty. Hi, kitty. It is very fun. Matt, thanks for kicking us off today. This is from Anonymous. Hi, AG. I was listening to Thursday's Good News, and you and Dana were talking about Bunny Picture. And also, while guessing a doggo's pedigree, you mentioned those cata dogs. Is it my Yeah, saying? I think of catahoula, catahoulas or something like that. Oh, okay. I had to laugh because right then I was thinking I should send a pic of my catahoula mix uh, <laughs> with her bunny ears. Ginger Blue, for the blue eye, is a catahoula Kitty mix we adopted in Washington from a high kill shelter in Texas. Oxymoron, anyone? Mm. <laughs> nice job. She's smart as a whip and so loving. But good grief, she's a goober. Her much older sister, Bree, a rough collie, a.k.a. a Miss Barks-a-Lot, does her best to tolerate her. Kind of a Beauty and the Beast vibe. Love your pods, follow you on Twitter, and happy to support another woman veteran. That's T-U-A-G. Semper Fi, shipmate. Hoo-ah, Semper Fi. Look it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like this picture needs wind. Um, get to the second picture, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do not get me wrong. That is a beautiful collie and a beautiful shot. And then we've got the personality. 
derp. Oh my God. What a honey. Oh my God. What a honey indeed. What a gorgeous, both dogs. Absolutely gorgeous. Love. I want to hug them both. Thank you for sending that in. Next up from D in Iowa, pronoun she and her high beans crew. Count this Iowan is supremely happy that Iowa could lose their first in the nation status for the presidential nomination process. The caucuses are inconvenient and discriminatory. I was only able to participate once my kids were at the age where they were able to stay at home alone for the evening. Many people work at night, have young kids, or are just uncomfortable making their political preferences known in such a public way. I've never liked it. Also, Iowa is probably as far from representative of the electorate as you can get. However, if there were dance-offs, <laughs> it, may, it may have made it more enjoyable. LOL. For pet tax, here's a photo of my grand dog, Kirby, with his prize antler found in the woods by my daughter's house. Okay, so not from like your chewy box. This is like an actual antler, probably. Showing his doggy smile. Oh, look at Oh, babies, happy. That's a good puppy. So happy. All right, this is from Ed. I'm still doing it. All right, this is from Ed. Pronouncing him. Hi, Ed. Uh, I had always wanted to submit my pet pick tax, but I never thought I would have any good news that was worthy of sharing. After hearing the interview with Mark Fullman, I ordered trigger points for my wife, a school social worker. I sent her a text telling her there was a book coming for her. Then, like Daily Bean's serendipity, her response text was worth sharing as good news. She replied, I received some good news today, a leather canceling the rest of my student loans. While actually having qualified for the cancellation over four years ago, it actually came through. That's amazing. And now on to my pet tax. Attached are my twin Airedale Terrier, Woodrow and Lillian. There is a puppy pic, a picture of them recently. They are a little over 12 now. And a picture of them in my favorite spots. On the chairs in front room so they can see their friend, the postman. I was just going to get one dog, but when I was walking away with Woodrow, he started whining. When I asked if it was okay, the breeder said, that one is just always with his sister. Oh. I said I didn't want to split them up. I said I would just pick a different one. He said that they were getting older and a few people take two. So if I could, he would give me half off. Oh. Even though it seems he did not inform the vet and pet supplies of the half off deal, <laughs> I could not have been happier with the decision. Between them and my wonderful social worker wife, I have a lot to be thankful for. Oh, look at the baby. They're so cute. And then they have their own recliners. Uh, I'm so with you. That would have broken my heart if I was taken a walking away with a dog and the other. Oh, they hang out. There he hangs out with his sister a lot. I can't break them up you know yeah oh look at these guys oh those are their chairs i'm sure those are specifically the dog's chairs so cute got it ed thank you congratulations congratulations to your wife for having her student loans finally forgiven i'm guessing federal student loan forgiveness program public service so that's amazing and that's one of the things that that biden did he fixed that program you remember the student loan forgiveness program yep 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 he fixed it. She got her letter. That's, That's brilliant. Awesome. brilliant. And you know what? I paid my student loans off and I don't have one bit of anger that other people will get theirs excuse. I think that is what should be done. Nor would I. I mean, I've, I often compare it to, you know, like my pops died of cancer. Does that mean I sh- no one else should have there? Like there shouldn't be a, a cancer for cancer because totally. I'm sorry, I already lost my dad and it's too late for him. So no one should benefit. It's just, I don't know, it's weird. It is absurd. All righty. I think this is our final submission here. Yes, it is from Anonymous. Pronouns he and him. Is this a confession? Good news? Just a note from a grateful listener. 
was thinking about the 30-day Fox to CNN study and how it had moved the needle in viewers and their perceptions and connecting this to how long I've been a Muller She Wrote Daily Beans listener. I went to the Largo show February 2019, so probably early mid-2018. Oh, hi, Anonymous. Not saying there's a chance I'd have gone MAGA without MSW, but Blue Joe Rogan listener uh, was was a risk. MSW shows and community have given me a crutch where I needed it, exposed me to new and different people allowed, and taught me to have feels that had been turned out of me by my trauma and old school culture. Yes, Dana hit the nerve on the bullseye. Yeah. The fear of vulnerability in most men has been desensitized for generations and connects with strong man type culture, military police, extreme sports, etc. The ability to show and experience compassion has been stunted and weaponized. Yes. Recognizing this helps minimize my potential contribution to generational and cultural fuckery and then put passing it on to my son. I feel elevated by it as well. When uh, whenever a show changes hosts, it can be chaotic and stressful. But you rock, Dana. Happy belated birthday. Aww. Wanted to make it to San Diego to buy a round of drinks, but couldn't make it. Hope I uh, hope this can happen someday. Love and respect. Pet tax attached. Son's dog, Ocho. I smuggle him in tacos and he likes me the best. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Well, whoever you are, um, Anonymous, thank you so, so much. I feel quite a part of this family. And um, it's just nice to hear that it, it's reaching people that need to be reached and that I have some sort of positive effect on the listenership. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. It was apparent when I, when pretty immediately we watching you on stage, though, on Saturday, just how just how funny you are and how, oh. how you can impact so many people. When they, when they brought up Dana, I, I remember my friend Brandon, who was hosting the show, r- reminded me and, and told everyone she's raised over $30 million, $30 million for the LGBTQ plus community and allies. And that's just stunning and astounding that Thank you do you. that by, by also making people laugh and just being generally fucking funny. That's Thank so you, my friend. Cool. And just, you know, if I'm making the world a little bit better than it was before I got here, then I've done my job. So I'm, I'm, I'm feel confident that that's, that's happening. Yes. A hundred percent. Thank you. And thanks everyone sending in your good news. If you have any, you want to send to us, please send it in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Um, Dana, do you have any final thoughts? No final thoughts for today. Just a, a thank you again for the support. AG, thank you for coming to the show and uh, be back with you soon. I'll be back with you soon. It was so fun. I look good too. I'm going to say. You looked stunning. Thank you. Thank you. you. So did you. Can't believe we didn't get a picture together, by the way. That's ridiculous. Duh. That was dumb. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll talk soon until tomorrow. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. Oh, and vote blue over Q. Yes, please. Them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.